Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The halls have been decked, the gay apparel has been donned, and here we are still merry and bright. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you, thankfully, on the final show of the year 2020. And on this week's show, we have uh, pulled it out. And we are, we are continuing the holiday season. We're not only continuing the holiday season with music because we've got a lot of we've had a lot of music requests, so I'm playing them all. Uh, but this week's show, 100% all about the ghost of Christmas cheer past, and my guest is the one and only Mike McNeil, and we are focusing on purely Christmas cheer. That's right, the uh, annual holiday blend. We'll get into details about the, the creation of it and some uh, uniquenesses of each batch and maybe some uh, stories. Yeah, I, Mike will tell you some stories of how they found each batch of Christmas cheer. So we're just continuing the holidays, although this is the uh, ghost of Christmas past and <laughs> you know, Christmas cheers that we can't get anymore, but in-depth and detailed just on that one blend of tobacco or that one tobacco item so christmas cheer uh hope everybody had a really good christmas or the best one possible hope everybody is staying safe and sane uh wish you all the best in the upcoming new year and uh happily glad to see uh, the year 2021 going away so uh, let's get, you know, this is a big show, so let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Everybody wants the best smoke, but you have to use the best tobacco. It just makes sense. Pipe smokers who know great tobacco choose Seattle Pipe Club blends. They're America's favorite luxury tobaccos. Plum Pudding, Mississippi River, Deception Pass, Wild Man, and all of Master Blender, Joe Lankford's blends are legendary. Seattle Pipe Club is handcrafted with the finest tobaccos and old world methods that take a little bit longer to make. The perfect reward for pipe smokers like us. Treat yourself to Seattle Pipe Club luxury blends. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show after Christmas special edition and... Who better to have on than uh, the one and only Grinch that stole Christmas cheer? I mean, stopped making Christmas cheer. Uh, or as I'm going to call this, the ghost of Christmas past. From McClellan Tobacco Company. Yes, that one that's shut down and gone and, you know, we've moved on from it. But uh, Mike McNeil, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And this is your first time on without your wife by your side. So uh, I do have the bleep button and the mute button ready to go. But uh, welcome to the show. 
Glad to be here. I'm sitting at Quick Trip in Kansas, drinking hot chocolate with my list of all the Christmas cheers I did, where they came from, how old they were, and uh, all that. So, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you got me out of the house. I was, you know, for three years I've been watching Gilligan Island Reef up runs, and I'm kind of <laughs> burned out. So, so your wife threw you out. Um, all right, let's let's go back. All right, so the what was the reason for Christmas cheer, and when did it start? Well, when you spend. 40 some years going nuts and you forget what happened i asked her this morning i said i didn't come up with that you did why'd you do it she said don't you remember it was our 15th anniversary in 92 and i wanted something special so she designed the label and the, the disc and all that and uh told me to uh get out there and find the stuff to make it and uh, but I, I was already buying the bat in '89 when we were saved from the street by Standard Commercial. We were already going down here in '90, so I was already buying uh, what I could find. It was great, and uh, it, it had to be three years old. That that's the minimum. That's the difficulty. But uh, I had Lewis Dickerson down there, and uh, he found the stuff, and uh, that that's was the first Christmas cheer. It was it was from uh, Southern Virginia red, and it was eighty nine crop. So why decide to do a Virginia, basically a Virginia flake for a Christmas blend? And you would, if if I remember right, you would can it in june july sell it at the trade show and ship it in august september is that about right right yeah at first right that's it, because we we're known for our flakes so that's what we stuck with um i just that that's what she wanted i mean i i didn't really go against her i didn't want to do any aromatic -y thing i i never really liked them so it, it was just trying to show what we could do with the Virginia Flakes. That was the main thing. And we stuck with it. The only thing I regret, probably going back, is I should have done a spun ribbon with it, too. But she, a lot of times she fought me on it, didn't want to do it. But that does, I mean, it may, it. It makes sense that you would do a Virginia Flake because that was kind of what you guys were known for. And everybody else did some sort of scented or cased holiday edition. I don't think they were doing them back then, Brian. So, so there I was. Don't, I don't remember anything. They were guys were sporadically coming out with Christmas stuff after we started doing it. They saw we were doing something. All right, so let's talk about that, because in 92, would there have been anybody else that would do a special edition pipe tobacco? Because I've really never heard of them, now that I think of it. No, they, a lot of rat rays, all of them, they were just doing the same old thing all the time. And, uh, you know, we were we had way more flexibility than, than Orlick or McBaron or anybody. We just, I'd come up with an idea, and she'd tell me yes or no. And then I just, she's, yeah, do it, and I'll test it, and uh, I just did it. Or, she, you know, or then, she'd come up with an idea and tell you how many times you did it wrong until you did it right. Yeah, it, 
if if she didn't remember, she invented all the frog mortons herself. If 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 it didn't pass her, and I think she's got the greatest palate on the planet, and she's nitpicky as hell, <laughs> and and just I mean, doesn't matter what you do, she finds something wrong with it, even when you get the final thing and you put it out. I mean, she well, I don't know. I mean, I heard that about five billion times, which is good. You've got to have somebody staying on you, and you got to be worried about it. All right, so and, let, let, let's go back to 1992, or before that, I, I'm assuming. So somewhere in the in 9192 is when Lewis Dickerson showed you this crop that he had from 89. Right, we we would go down there, and you remember, you got to remember, the auctions didn't quit till about two thousand. So, nineties the first time we went down there. I mean, I was on the phone with them a lot in eighty nine, trying to save ourselves. And uh, he was they they would send me a block of samples, like twelve pounders. <laughs> I'd make cakes out of it, like maybe four. But Lewis was really good. Uh, he's one of the best that ever lived and buying leaf and being in charge at standard of the leaf buyers. And he could tell a good tobacco 20 feet away. I mean, it was, it, he was incredible. I've never met anybody like him. So he knew exactly what I wanted. Cause he's thinking the old style because I was looking at my notes, you know, and in the year 1900, 80% of all the UK tobacco, they bought over here. The old, the really old guys are long gone, but they said all the people in England, everywhere, they came over here and bought U.S. flu cured, yeah, and Burley, yeah, and eighty uh, percent of all the U.K. tobacco brought back over there was used in pipes. Believe it or not, twenty percent yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, that's how much that's how much pipe tobacco they were smoking and making. You know, and then it slowly reversed. So and, the uh, so this first this first crop that you had was grown in '89. When do you remember when exactly you bought it? Probably, probably in '90 or '91, somewhere in there, and it was sitting there. You know, I always think we we always did this. We'd buy something and see it, and say, "Boy, that's something." Let's say that for something good. You know, and then, and then she came up with Christmas cheer to celebrate the 15 years. And it just went on. And, you know, the, the year we didn't have was 93. Yeah. All right. We're going to take our first break right here so that so that I can regroup with my notes. We'll be back with Mike McNeil in just a moment. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. And we are back on the uh, post Christmas, uh, still still trying to celebrate the holidays because you know, Lord knows we need to celebrate more now. Uh, but Mike, all right, so you so you bought this stuff in ninety or ninety one or whenever it was. You sat on it, and 
Was that the so when you'd buy this stuff, you'd just make as many Christmas cheers as possible, or did you use some of that leaf for another project? Um, you know, how'd you? No, I used. I, I would have used it all anytime I bought one. What I, I tell you the truth, I could see problems coming in the industry even back then. You know, and you got to remember back in those days, standard. A jet aircraft too, and all this stuff. And they, but you could just kind of tell, and the way the guys had talked to me about the future, I thought, boy, when you look, when I would look for something, if they had four reds, usually that four didn't work out. I mean, you might have one, two. I'd occasionally get lucky and have six different ones. And three would be great. They're so close to great to each other. I'd think, hell, I'm taking them all. I mean, maybe years, decades ago, you could get by with going out and buying every year. But it, that was closing down, and I knew it. So if you find something, even though we we're kind of poor back then, you struggled and bought it anyway. So when you're in- you never. And when you're talking about reds, you're talking about red Virginias, and it might not be the entire plant. You're talking about a priming off of the yeah, plant. Yeah, the top, the right top, and it didn't happen that often either. That was rare. Well, it wasn't rare in the 50s, but it was rare when I was going. I mean, you had a lot of lemon, but you didn't see a lot of red. You could buy lemons all day long. And the first auction I went to in 1990 with Lewis – you know, nobody goes, we didn't buy at auction. Wayne didn't buy at auction. McBaron, they don't buy at auction. None of them. You buy it from the leaf dealers. You know, you got a tag at the auction. The only reason I got in to follow Philip Morris and Liggett and Laurel Larder is because Lewis introduced me and said, this is Mike McNeil. makes spiked back in Kansas City. He's going through with us now. And they go, oh, okay, because everybody knew him and all that. And then you're, once they know you know him, now you're a fast friend. So the first auction I was at, JTI, Japan Tobacco, which is, you know, they got $5 billion in their glove box in the car. <laughs> they were buy. he was instructing his, men, instructing his men to buy flu cured for their cigarettes in Japan. So I actually bought some. The, the, the Japanese bought the best fluke here. They didn't care what the price was, as long as it was good. So I was following. There was like nine Japanese guys. They don't go down the aisles. They stand to the side like 10 feet and watch it. So I went down the aisles. I'm like, hey, if these guys are interested in this, I'm interested in this. You know, <laughs> And that really, I got uh, some of the, you know, it's from Virginia, the, the fluke here. And I bought some. Well, so let me get you some, you know. They won't mind. And that was one of the first ones I bought at auction. I actually went down the arms of Lewis and he let me bid on, he'd signal me on how to, what to bid on piles. You know, they're out in the warehouse. It takes you a minute to get, you know, you got the auctioneer and you're like, what the hell's he talking about? Yeah. You know, but pretty soon, about 20 minutes in, you, you got it. You know, you don't say anything. You'll hold up like three fingers. Dollar eighty three or two eighty three, whatever it is, and Lewis had signaled to me what to hold up. <laughs> it was right. a great time. I mean, it was you know I was in shock because I 
living here in my hole in Kansas City, wondering what life is, and then you get out into the giant world of these guys with millions of pounds. I mean, they're running through an auction fast. If you can watch, you guys can watch films on it. Go back to Lucky Strike Auction on YouTube, 1950s. You can see what it was. You know, it's the guys holding a leaf up in their face, sucking it up their nose, trying to get that sweet Virginia smell. But I needed specific things. I needed really high sugar, and I needed age. I needed to have a, a really good body to back it with oils and stuff. It was it was harder to find then than it was in you know say nineteen seventy if I'd been doing it. And, and it, you you have to act on something. If you if you find three good ones, buy them because next year the chances of finding something were getting worse and worse. So let me, let me let me cover two things that Mike said. One, the sugar is not added sugar; it's naturally occurring sugars in the in the leaf itself. And kind of picture, you know, uh, us as pipe buyers going to a pipe show or maybe a uh, a flea market. You know, some days you find tons of pipes that you want to buy and you got to have the money to to buy them all and then some days you go and you just find nothing and you leave without buying anything so that that's kind of what the what the auction environment was right exactly i'm looking i was looking for 21 to 24 percent natural sugar in it that's what i wanted and the the, the theory was forever well if you get too much sugar it burns burns your mouth like hell yeah, some of them do, but that's overall that's nonsense. If you find really ripe mellow leaf that was done correctly, you start. And I got to the point. I, I was trying to think, and you know, they'd send all this stuff. I do all these cakes, and then be disappointed with half of them, and, and you know, just get crazy. I thought, hell, I'm going to start smoking it raw. Because when I w- went down there the first time, they have little, ba- they call them baby cutters. Yep. They're like 120 pounds, and you run leaf through, and then we'd roll cigarettes. I'd sit there all day with Lewis for a week. And I thought, hell, I'm just going to, so I'd cut it up with scissors and smoke it in clays and meerschaums, clean ones, but basically new. If I started, my wife and I would find flaws in it, you can't have the theory, well, I did, but if I age it in cakes, it'll be, you know, maybe that. I found that was nonsense, too. If I find certain flaws, and I don't get it. If my lips don't have sugar on it, I just throw the sample out in the trash. I don't even try because it's a pain <laughs> in the ass. you got to age it all this time for weeks and months and then dry it down. But, hell, we'll just start doing it raw. And that really worked. Yeah. And uh, that I could tell in 10 minutes if something was even worth caking up or not. I mean, I'd be surprised once in a while. But generally speaking, smoking it raw, I'll tell you, and that's the way they used to do it. You see the guys, they don't cut. It's like, I guess, like a Mika Auto auction. They look at all the cars, then they have the auction. Oh, these guys would go through the warehouses looking at the leaf and having their minds what smells good, looks good, all the numbers are right. And then some of them would roll it up and smoke it. I saw them doing it. Just to double check, you know, because you don't want to spend, you know, a million dollars and taste like hell when you get back. Yeah. All so right. So that's what we started doing from then on. That's how we did it. 
so you so you buy this crop for the for what ends up being Christmas cheer 1992. Uh, how scared were you that you know you were going to make all these cans in this new introduction and you you didn't know how it was going to go? Well, you don't know. You know, you never know what's going to go, but it went and it was gone. <laughs> and uh, then I realized this is it. I'm going to do this all the time if I can find it. So I'd buy, even if I had two or three years lined up in storage in North Carolina, if I happen to see stuff later, well, hell yeah, I'll take two more of those. And I, I looked at the list. I wrote it all out on how old. And if you start, the oldest we had was 04. That leaf was 10 years old. So the so the leaf used in the two thousand and four Christmas cheer was grown in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, and, and probably and, and what would happen is, and this is significant. What would happen is I paid the highest prices on the planet for leaf. I didn't care what it cost as long as it was good. You know, I'll pay a hundred dollars for one steak if it's fifty times better than one that's twenty. I don't care. I mean. Good's good. So, Lewis, these guys that find me stuff, hey, Mike, I found this stuff that's been sitting five years, and nobody's doing it because it's too high-priced, and it's red. This, they didn't even want red, a lot of them. And I'd get it, and then I'd sit and store it for whenever I was going to use it. And uh, pretty soon, that age, and the next one was eight years old in 05. But I looked at from 04 all the way to 17, the youngest one I had was four years. I had sixes, eights, fives, you know, and I'd get it and let it sit for about two, three more years in North Carolina because the weather was correct, better than here. So I'd go through the summer sweats and just mellow down every year. <clears throat> so, there, so there would be varying quantities that you would produce each year based off of how much tobacco you had right. for that. Right, they weren't, you wouldn't go in there and there's 50 cases. Cases are 440 pounds, packed hard in a box. I mean, you drop it off the Empire State Building, it still look good. Yeah. They're hard. <laughs> but usually there wasn't, there might be, you know, 15, 20 cases, and the other guys wouldn't, nobody look at it because, hell, it's cost too much. I mean, it's actually perfect for me, Brian, because... As things went along, guys are, oh, we got to cut costs and all that. I never did. <clears throat> I'd look at offer sheets and go, damn, this stuff costs a lot. I'm interested in that. You know, kind of like looking at Range Rovers. You know, yeah. guys that like them, oh, that's 120. Hey, I'm going to look at it. You know, I want the best. It wouldn't have mattered if it was double that. I would have paid it if it was good. Because I want. And also, it's very difficult. You know, we handstand every pound of this because <laughs> red has bigger, it's riper, it's been on the plant longer, it's got bigger stems. And they all destem it through the thrashers. But with you can see it. If you look at, like, Danish flags, you see a lot of small, uh, flu-cured, bright veins and stuff and, and stems. That's not bad. But you get into red, man, those things are big. We would hand stamp thousands of, I, 
I would hate to see how many thousands of hours we had at 25 years of Christmas here de-stemming it. Well, on top of that, that stem weighs more per, you know, per area than the leaf itself does. So you actually paid for that stem and then tore, and then paid to tear it out and throw it away. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'd hate to add up what I had in, in labor just doing it. But when it ran through my flake cutter, my Johansson and Lund Danish flake cutter, I could watch it. I think, damn, look at that. There's a couple stems, but not many. I could just watch it every time the blade went up. And that's what I wanted. And I had to judge them. We did our cakes completely differently than anybody else, probably in history. <clears throat> I used more moisture. I had a feeling, and I did tests. A lot of the Danes and Germans, they cut it, they can it. We never did it. We do it in moisture. I thought it melted the cake better, and I didn't press them as hard as the Europeans because I didn't want to crush any cell structure. So it came out wet. So I had to dry down everything. I mean, this was hundreds and hundreds of hours of this stuff on drying racks and all this stuff, and 27 fans blow drying them over. It'd take me about a week and a half, two weeks, through the final drying and fluffing and all this stuff. I was pretty miserable. I, I'd do it on the weekends, and I'd spend 13 15 hours on a saturday doing three racks i wouldn't eat or anything i i wouldn't have anybody around i wouldn't let anybody in the building because they would jack up my mental stride or something <laughs> i wouldn't even let her bring me lunch all right we're gonna you, take you know, you, we're, we're gonna take another break here i've got more questions for you than i started off with so we're we're gonna have to go through them pretty rapid fire when we come back with uh, more with mike mcneil Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe, just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. And we are back with uh, the uh, with the ghost of Christmas past himself, uh, Mike McNeil, talking about Christmas cheer. All right, so a, a couple of a couple of real quick questions. One, what happened to Christmas cheer, nineteen ninety three? Um, well, <clears throat> she just didn't like what I had, and she said, "You know what." And I, I don't totally remember, but she said, you know, we'll skip a year. And there's a lot going on. I mean, we can't realize I was doing it seven days a week. And she said, I just don't let this stuff set another year. Okay, fine. You know, I think I had three different ones. No, no, I want them aged out down there another year in the summer sweat. 
which she was right, you know. So that's that's kind of that. That was the only year we skipped because <clears throat> the whole thing is age. And then when I, you and I were talking about the the Reedsville Lucky Strike plant in yeah. North Carolina. And the other day when I called one of the guys that were big time in tobacco, still is, he said they used to age the hogs had six years for Lucky Strike, some of them. And, it, and it's true. If you let it sit, another summer sweat, it makes a difference. And it's got to be in a summer where it gets hot and humid and somebody's actually maintaining the barn and yeah. turning. Yeah, the guys are watching the warehouse. I mean, I, I was just lucky, you know. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of this was is called dumb luck, and they would take care of me down there out of friendship. It wasn't money; they never made a nickel on me. I know guys listen. Oh, they're making. They're no, they weren't. <laughs> they just wanted me, and we would go down every year and go out on their boats to the Cape Lookout Lighthouse and eat sandwiches, and I'd go to their houses. And I would be there this year, but you know what happened with the COVID, so. I'm not down there. It's first time in 30 years. Well, and your and your your entire purchases from them annually probably maybe covered the coffee expenses in their office for the year. Probably some jet fuel. May I don't think it was even that much. Um, well, I probably took off and landed. All right, going back to some of the uh, some of the Christmas cheers. Do you know how long is the longest that you owned the tobacco before you used it? Oh, I had some like seven years. So you bought it and it just sat and sat and waited until right. you... Right, it was in line and pretty soon you start accumulating and it's just sitting in, in the lineup. And it, okay, yeah. I'll pull this one. It's had It's five years. I'll do that for uh, 03. Because I, I, I'm like that. Don't ask me how many paper towels I got right now. No, I, no, we won't so get I into would, that. No, we won't get into my paper goods. But that's the way I've always been. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alarmist. And thank God I am on this because I, I go down there like three years looking around like, hell, I don't like anything I'm even looking at. I don't have to send me a sample. I don't want it. And I was lined up with four or five anyway. You know, you start panicking when you get down to two. But the last eight years, since Standard had trouble over the years, it got taken over and a hostile takeover and all that stuff. And I thought, last eight years, uh, Universal, which is huge with 40 plants around the world, the vice president liked me because I knew all his friends. I didn't even know him then. I was scared <laughs> to call him. But Giovanni Alberti brings in all the. We brought in the Latakia for years, all the Orientals. His Mike, when he finds out you know everybody he knows, you'll be his best friend. And he just retired after 46 years last year. Yeah. He controlled Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, and I think Bangladesh or something. All right. So let's go through some of the Christmas cheers. Were they all red virginias or was there some deviations did you use an orange there, there were brian i i'm looking at the list like we had a uh, and when i say orange we'd have orange red kind of orange red tobacco some years uh oh one and oh two were orange but they look red after they've been aged that long they they 
you buy them and then they sit there for a few years and they get darker and redder and redder. You know, some of them stop, but most of them just keep getting darker. Then when you hit them with moisture, press them and all that, you guys open it and go, well, hell, it's red. Yeah. Because of the age. Our cans in 30 days, you put it in a can. Of course, it's been aging in cakes for a long time, but you put it in a can and you could smell a fermentation in 30 days. And I had to judge. That's another thing that would drive me nuts. You know, everybody says experiences. That's nonsense. I would be nervous wreck driving downtown to dry down. So I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what fermentation uses up moisture. So what's it going to feel like when a guy opens it up five years from now, 10, 20, 30 years? I don't want to be dry. So I had to find that level where they, boy, in 20 years after I'm gone and guy opens it up, it's still going to be good. You know, I mean, I was really wanting to have the guy open it and go, damn, that's good. Mike's dead, but boy, this tobacco sure is good. <laughs> Were there <laughs> somebody any, might uh, re- somebody might remember me once in a while, Brian. Think uh, of it. Yeah. Uh, were there, and not, and not want to scream. Um, were there any years that you remember as standouts that you particularly liked? Uh, 2010, 2011, we found red. Uh, 2010 was Durham. And I actually found where I go every year is Wilson, North Carolina. We uh, It happened a couple times. Wilson, North Carolina. Uh, 2014 was Snow Hill. <laughs> uh, 13 was Rocky Mount, right in that area where I'm always going to. I in uh, one of the years, let's see, I think it was uh, 10. Yeah, because uh, Joe called me from Universal. He said, "Mike, I got something I haven't seen in 30 years. You need to look." And I looked at just looking at it when he sent. I'm like, "Damn, you know, <laughs> it smoked like a Milky Way." I go, okay, you know, I'll take it, you know, and I, I bought a lot, you know, and I ran through it. I mean, it was gone, you know, I mean, I don't know how many cans we sold that year. It just went bananas. And, uh, that was, he, he called me, he goes, you know what this is called? This is called dumb luck. That's <laughs> what this is called. And, and he told me every year, if I found something, one, two, three, say, Mike, Never count on this again. You know that, boy? You'd always <laughs> say that. I say, I know, Joe. I, I know I'm not, you know. And uh, one year, a uh, guy at Standard found me something, and I got it. And I'm like, damn, I got to have more. Well, while I was jacking around, somebody came in and bought it all, and it was going to Europe. Mm. It was down at the docks. And I said, I called him. I said, look, man, I don't ask for a whole lot. Can you get me some cases off the, he goes, it's a down at the water. I said, well, you feel like driving to the water? Because you know <laughs> what I do? I'm going to go down there right now. But he drove to the beach. He goes, why do you want? I said, uh, we don't want to make it too much. I said, you know this guy? Well, he goes, oh yeah. I go, uh, Tell him I want 25 cases peeled off. By God, he got them for me. Had them shipped back to 
where my warehouse stuff is. Those guys are great guys, Brian. I mean, who would do that uh, for somebody you're not making anything on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still call them every week, believe it or not. I'm calling today. So do you... you know, they just, they, it's a different culture down there. If they like you, they'll take care of you. And if they don't like you or don't know you, you're invisible. Uh, right. You know, and you got to realize years ago, back when the companies were correct and right and everybody loved everybody, they, the competitors would eat lunch every day at the same diners and knew their grandfathers and all that. The competitors would help each other. Yep. If one guy called, my guys go, yeah, God, we just don't. And they're a competitor. We don't have enough room for all this crap we got, you know. Well, bring it over here. We got room for it. We'll put it in our warehouses. Miss Philip Morris Reynolds. Well, you know, we'll help you out. No problem. I mean, that's the way it was. Well, I'll, even, I'll... When I went to, even when I went to an auction, Lewis said, "Look, I got my buyers out, Mike, and we're going to pass this half the warehouse because we want Liggett to get something." He said, "I could go through and buy every damn thing in here." Because I gotta let Liggett have something. They're the small guys, you know. And, and this is where it was. I'll, I'll tell my uh, I'll tell my one tobacco people story from the area that we call uh, down eastern North Carolina, which is the east coast or the eastern part of the state where most of the tobacco is grown here. Uh, both Mike and I know a guy named Dean. And uh, Dean was Dean was in the tobacco industry. He sold his company, and his family was in it. And I told Dean that my daughter was going to be going to school in the next county over. And Dean looked at me, and he wrote down. He took out his business card, wrote down his personal cell phone number, and said, "I'll do my best Dean Rouse impersonation for you, Brian. Your friend, mine, your family now." And your daughter gonna be down here near me. You got any problems with anything? You don't call no law or nothing. You call me first. You hear? Cause we family. We're gonna take care of you. There ain't gonna be no court. Ain't gonna be no sheriff involved. I'll take care of that problem right away for you. You hear? <laughs> but don't That's give. Deep. But don't give my phone number out to nobody. That's my personal cell phone number. I only give it out to friends and family and you family. You hear? So you call me. You got any problems? <laughs> well. Some of them had the accent like Dean, but Dean's special. Yeah. Not, they didn't even have that much of an accent. <laughs> Some of them did. Some of them, you know, Lewis, for, he was, me mean Reitzel. And I'm like, <laughs> Reitzel? What's Reitzel mean? I didn't even know. I said, can you spell that for us? Reitzel. And he kept saying Reitzel. I'm like, you want me to meet you? What? Mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was talking about takes a while to get used to it all right so let's go back to christmas cheer stuff are you willing to tell me and or do you know what the biggest year of production was and maybe what the smallest year is for those that are collecting the entire back catalog well i'll tell you what <clears throat> the only one that i screwed up on i'm just gonna bring what 96 was a stupid year it sold out but i think she told me to put some stove in it and press it in kind of not as much as blackwoods flake which is red and black the stove's torn up and put in the red and all that 
man, I got more bitching than it's <laughs> ever been in history. Consumers call me, what the hell did you do that for? I said, well, is it taste bad? No, but I don't like it. It's got that black in there. <laughs> I only want red. I mean, I bet a hundred bitching at me. I said, for God's sake, she was trying to give you a little variation. I don't want variation. You know, I guess it's the same as a guy back in the old days smoking camel nine filters and you, you know, put some flavoring, you know, some peach on it. Yeah. You know, well, not like that, not like aromatic, but they went bananas on me. Even the retailers were bitching. I go, okay, fine, I won't do it anymore. We should have never done that. That Avoid that one. Well, of course, <laughs> now they'll want it to see what it was. I don't know. I, I can't remember the numbers. Uh, some of them, you know, 10, 12,000 cans had run out. Towards the end, we were running through. If, I'd had, if I hadn't run out of the batch of lease, we would have sold double. But yeah. you only got so much. And you could do 20. If you did 20,000 cans, you could do 40. If you had the leaf, I didn't. I ran out. I'd do it all the way and exhaust it, and that was it. Why did you only do it in 100-gram tins? That's what she wanted. She wanted a big label on it. She just did hundreds. I thought about 50s, but, hey, you know, she goes, now we're just doing hundreds. Only print one size label, and then she can get all of her artwork and her My little story. Were damned expensive. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't really an issue after a while. We could have done the fifties, but she just—I don't know. Now we're doing hundreds. That's what we do. I mean, you know, Brian, you get the—you don't want to get in a big fight over it. And start, you know, our labels were gold foiled, and they go through the. We there's only one printer here that could do it, and ran through the presses five times. Embossing the ribbon this and that and the whale and all that five times there i know i paid more for labels than anybody on the planet but they're really one of the only in the country that could do it with and, special presses and things and if you didn't do what she wanted she would have fired you yeah 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 then nobody'd have anything and then but, and then we'll uh, finish we'll just, we'll finish this up so the last year was what 2017 16 of christmas cheer right and that was from new hope north carolina the durham one was good in 16 too i i tell you it again like my durham in 16 it was six years old you know i was buying this stuff when i could find it and i if i had Four lined up for Christmas cheer only. Great. Great. Was I looking for a fifth one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure I was. And then finally, the swan song was the 40th anniversary, which would have been the next Christmas cheer had you been able to go on, but you did it as 40th anniversary, and then that was kind of the end of the run, right? Pretty much. I got uh, fusion bars put in my back at the end of seventh. Was that it? Yeah. yeah. And I, because I couldn't tie my shoes anymore. I couldn't tie my shoes here and there for years, but I got fusion bar. The last thing I touched very slowly was, because uh, I had to do it. I'll make it do it. I, I cut it all and dried it all. And that's the last thing I touched. I, everything were gone. I didn't touch any aromatic 2010, nothing. It was just that was left and I did it my way, you know like Frank Sinatra would say. <laughs> and I just, uh, 
that was the last thing I did, and that's really fitting. 40th anniversary, last thing that I put my hands on. I didn't do anything else. Everything else was gone. And you just, Brian, it gets to the point where, you know, my guys are all leaving. They're all, yeah. re- they're, they're retired. They're gone. Joe was the last one. Giovanni's gone. It brought in all the Oriental. You can see it coming. I mean, guys are going to sit there 50-some years, and they're frustrated, and they, and, and they just get tired. You know, you start traveling the world to India, you know, beating, uh, going to fields and with a stick, fighting wild boars off of you. you. Pretty much, you get tired of it. It's 120 while they're chasing you, too. On that and note, there's no, we... And there's, and there's no plumbing. I thought I'd add that in there. On that note, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. Mike, I believe this is the first time you've ever gotten them. So, uh, right, short answer, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I guess. So, what is your favorite pipe? Uh, right now, I'm smoking. Uh, what do you mean right now or favorite all time? Whatever comes to your mind. Right now, I'm smoking that, uh, what's his name, J. Andrew, Alex? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Alexander, is that right? Alexander Hasty from uh, right, Ottawa, right. Kansas? He lives, he lives 50 miles from me. Yeah. That's really, he does, a, and Scott Klein also. Those two, I'm going back and forth on them. Scott Klein really does a great job. And then, I said that. <laughs> well, they'll hear it. Uh, and then I'll modify this question for you. Normally, I ask people, what is your favorite tobacco? But I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite pipe tobacco blend that you've ever smoked of all time? Um, years ago at the Chicago show, Quentin Wells, who's president of the Kansas City Club, comes running up to me in the tent, said I found an old, really old cutter top from probably 1960-something of Rat Ray's Red Rappery. Where you go in half, and it's one hundred sixty dollars. I said, "Well, yeah, Quinn. We, why wouldn't I?" And we smoked that thing in the tent. And I, I swear to God. And what was odd about it? It wasn't that dark. The red was still, and it was sweet. I mean, it was nice. And everybody's looking at me at the table. What do you think? I said, "I'm embarrassed to be in the tobacco industry." <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm telling you. And each bowl is costing me whatever. I didn't even care. I'm like, oh, my God, Quentin, this is it. Uh, cigarettes, let's ask that because I still do it. Yeah. The greatest ones I think were ever made were Sweet Afton non-filters out of P.J. Carroll in Ireland. And a guy in New York who was heavily in the mafia building buildings uh, back in the day was getting me sweet aftons out of ireland and shipping them to me and i swear to god i'd pay fifteen hundred dollars for a carton right now if it wasn't stale <laughs> what is your favorite drink overall coffee yep i know and, you and, and i have found merlot it's 10 bucks a bottle for a big one it's frontera guys go out ten dollars it's merlot fontera it's good I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have it tonight. 
I'm going to surprise her and open a can of 1992 Christmas cheer because it's Christmas Eve. Even though it's colder than hell, I'm going to get a quartz eater. We're going to smoke it out on the porch. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A uh, movie because we like to watch William Powell smoke his pipe in the old Thin Man series, and I recommend that too to all you guys. Yeah, I know Mike and Mary like any movies from the 1940s, 50s, maybe the 60s. That's you know, Some of the 60s is getting a little too new for you. Right, it's worth you guys watching. Guess what kind of pipes are smoking? Yeah. It's in almost all of them. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? It's You know what? There's numerous ones, and it's one we used to have pipe shows, and guys would open up old cans. It didn't matter what it was. It's just thrilling to smoke. To me, it's historical value of going back to um, the olden days, the old Burley. In fact, soon I'm going to open up a 1965 can of Edgeworth, the blue can, which are in perfect condition because they put corrugated white cardboard on the inside and uh, tobacco. And it brings back memories of the old hogshead the wooden cast where they aged the tobacco for years. It brings that memory back. Every time I open up something old, like that cap stand I did the other day from 72 or whatever, and I'm going to open another one and send you the remnants of it. It just, those things just blew. Yeah, I realize all the 44 years I saw what happened and I go back to what the guys were doing when things were big, you know, and they were selling a lot. It just, you know, it dwindled down. When I started in 73 at 17, it was 53 million pounds a year in this country. And now it's down to about 1.1 million. So been, and the auction's been gone for 21 years almost. And it just brings back memories when I open the old tents. Mike McNeil, the ghost of Christmas past, uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas cheer. Thank you very much for coming on and doing this, and uh, thanks for all the, the 40 years of work, because I know I'm still smoking it and enjoying it. Well, good luck to everybody. I hope that we get settled down and we can actually have pipe shows so you and I can see the guys again and enjoy it and, and open up some more old cans, and I will personally bring some old cans to the next show if we have one. And we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment, so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. I hope you hope you enjoyed that. Hope 
<laughs> hope it gave you a little insight into Christmas cheer and um, hopefully didn't piss you off too much that we can't get it anymore. All right, but to make you happier, so we are continuing the holiday music because of a huge response, and yes, this show's going to run long again, but we need the uh, we need the extra happiness. So uh, Pastor Joda wrote in and suggested this song from Lauren Daigle, an artist who I met before, shook her hand, uh, and this one is called Noel. Love incarnate, love divine Star and angels gave the shine Bow to babe on bended knee The savior of humanity Unto us a child is born He shall reign
again, her name is Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Daigle, D-A-I-G-L-E, a contemporary Christian artist that's gotten some uh, mainstream success as well. All right, and the next song uh, was uh, sent in by Paul, and Paul said, uh, you may have already played this one, but this version of the 12 Days of Christmas by Frank, by Frank Sinatra and family Maybe one of particular interest to pipe smokers. It includes pipes in it. And this is uh, Frank and Nancy and Frank Jr. And the, I mean, the entire family is in this. And I think it's actually perfect to play it this late because there's some discussions as to whether or not uh, the 12 days of Christmas begins on the 25th or ends on the 25th. So we could be right in the middle of it. But anyway, here is the Sinatra family with the 12 days of Christmas. On the first day of Christmas I gave my loving dad A most lovely lavender tie On the second day of Christmas I gave my loving dad Two silken scarves And a most lovely lavender tie on the third day of Christmas I gave my loving dad Three golf clubs Two silken scarves And a most lovely lavender tie On the fourth day of Christmas We gave our loving dad Four mason pipes Three golf clubs Two silken scarves And a most lovely lavender on the fifth day of Christmas we gave our loving dad Five ivory combs Four mission pipes Three golf clubs Two silken scarves And the most lovely lavender tie On the sixth day of Christmas we gave our loving dad Six woolen nightshirts Two silken scarves And a most lovely lavender tie On the seventh day of Christmas I gave my loving dad Seven books of fiction Six woolen nightshirts Five ivory coats Four mission pipes Three golf clubs Two silken scarves On the eighth day of Christmas, I gave my loving dad eight pairs of cufflinks, seven books of fiction, six woolen nightshirts, five ivory combs, four pipes, three golf clubs, two silken scarves, and a most lovely lavender tie. On the ninth day of Christmas, I gave my pretty dad Nine games of Scrabble Eight pairs of cufflinks Seven books of fiction Six woolen nightshirts Five ivory coats Four mission pipes Three golf clubs Two silken scarves And a most lovely lavender tie On the tenth day of Christmas We gave our loving dad Ten silken hankies Nine games of Scrabble Eight pairs of cufflinks Seven books of fiction Six woolen nightshirts Five ivory coats 
golf clubs, two silken scarves, and a most lovely lavender tie. On the eleventh day of Christmas, they gave their loving dad eleven jars of jelly, ten linen hankies, nine games of Scrabble, eight pairs of cufflinks, seven books of fiction, six woolen nightshirts, five ivory combs, four music pipes, three. Two silken scarves and a most lovely lavender tie. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my children gave to me twelve hugs and kisses, eleven jars of jelly, ten linen hankies, nine games of Scrabble, eight pairs of cufflinks, seven books of fiction, six woolen nightshirts, five ivory combs. Four mission pipes, three golf clubs, two silken scarves, Oy. and a most lovely lavender tie. And that is the perfect way to end the holiday music for. Uh, December of 2020. Thank you all to uh, thank you to all of you that sent in suggestions, recommendations, ideas. It was a lot of fun and a great response this year. Oh my God! You've got mail. You bastard! And remember, if you have a comment or suggestion, you can email me directly, Brian B R I A N at pipesmagazine dot com. Wanna wanna suggest a guest or suggest regular music or. Any ideas for pipe parts? Also gathering more for uh, Ask the Pipe Maker, although I've got three or four recorded already, I believe. So just keep sending those in, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com. Just like uh, Chris did here, and Chris writes... Uh, hi, Brian. So obviously we all dislike the stupid warning labels on our tins. They take up too much space and ruin the spirit of the tin art and blend, in my opinion. I'm glad I've saved some of the older tins so I can refill them if need be. My question is, must the warning label be printed directly on the tin art label band or can the manufacturers of the tobacco print the warning label on a separate band or label and affix it to the tin? If we could just pull the damn warning paper off because it's a separate label, well, that'd be the bee's knees. I know. Sorry to gripe. <laughs> uh, no, don't don't feel bad about it. Um, a lot of folks in the tobacco industry were really uh, upset about having to alter their tin arts. Uh, you know, because first of all, that art on the tin is one of the few ways that tobacco companies have to market their products. Uh, however, in the uh, in the plain packaging market, you think it's bad now. Just wait until you see some of the plain packaging stuff. Anyway, um, the short answer is, could they make the warning labels removable? No. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, the, the European Union guidelines and the FDA guidelines say that it must be adhered to the packaging and cannot be removed or altered, and therefore, sorry. Now, what the tobacco companies could do if they really wanted to be fancy about it, and this is an idea for all you tobacco companies that are listening and do tin tobaccos, 
Well, if the label on the outside is round and you've got room inside the tin, you could put a whole other sticker inside the tin, sealed in with the tobacco, and then once the product is opened, then the consumer could cover up the front label if they wanted to with the tin art. But by law, the artwork on the outside has to be affixed to the label. Um, and the warning has to be part of it. No, you can't make it removable. You can't tear off cellophane and have it come off and all that stuff. So, nope, sorry, can't do it. A uh, couple of quick things, and I know I'm way behind on some of my uh, some of my uh, mailbox stuff. I've got a little stack over here that I'm trying to work through, and I promise I will get caught up. But uh, Dino writes regarding last week. Steve was a wonderful guest, a very nice confluence of the season and pipe smoking. Your closing message and that lovely song were just the right notes for our times. Thanks. And yes, Linda is a very strong Italian-Irish woman who could knock me on my fat tuchus without raising a sweat. And then Dino says, uh, Kala Christiagina, which I'm assuming is Greek for uh, Merry Christmas, to all my pipe friends who celebrate the holiday, goodwill to all Dino. Thank you, Dino. And then finally, Casey Ghost says, really a fine show. Steve Webb has the most positive voice you can imagine. The music was fairly enjoyable. Merry Christmas, Brian, and to all your listeners. So again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or do like these guys do and post it right on pipesmagazine.com on the radio show page there. And finally, a uh, tidbit of news that's been going around the Internet, and I got confirmation of it about a week and a half ago that... Uh, Laudisi Distribution Group, the ones that import Savinelli and Peterson and make Cornell and Deal, are also going to be importing the Goweth and Hogarth pipe tobaccos from England. So uh, expect to see ready supply of them coming into the country. Looking forward to seeing that that happens. Still not, um, not a fan of the Lakeland flavors, but for those of you that are looking for them, you'll find them. Hopefully they'll be on the shelves all over the place this coming year. And uh, speaking of that, to finish off this year, I'm going to attempt to do a rant and a rave on two completely different separate topics all at the same time. See if I pull that off. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. this year i'm just glad it's going but anyway so a rave to two fine artists uh one of them mr julius vez and the other one my friend ronnie b 
Uh, both of them sent me pipes. Uh, Julius, out of the kindness of his own heart, and as a thank you for having him on the show, which I never ask for anything, sent me a pipe, his classic raindrop shape, with some of the metalwork from his great-grandfather, or his grandfather, and a matching tamper to go with it. It will be a cherished memory for me forever. And remember, when a craftsman or an artist gives you a piece of their work, they're giving you a piece of them and a piece of their time. So that pipe will mean a lot to me for a long time. I've already enjoyed it several times. And my friend Ronnie B has what he calls uh, orphans, and he pieces together parts of old pipes that... uh, weren't working so well anymore and he pieced together one for me that is in my uh, workhorse shape and it's a a gorgeous old gbd bowl that he attached to a piece of bamboo and whittled a stem for anyway both pipes beautifully done enjoyable and both from uh, people that i admire and care about deeply and will love those for a long time now for the for the rant part (laughs) So I've been in the mall a lot working my uh, holiday job and the uh, fashion trend seems that ladies, especially the younger ones, are wearing these one and a half inch, two inch long eyelashes that look like, um, it looks, it, it either looks like they're part of a car wash or they've got like these little ice scrapers on their eyelids and obviously they're fake and it just looks odd and stupid. Anyway, a rant and a rave, the only, the, the only perfect way to end this year. My hope for all of you for next year is, you know, let's just hope that next year is just better than this past one. That's all I can hope for. Uh, thank you to Mike McNeil for sitting down with me. Thank you all for joining in over the past year. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny Goodbye to the year 2020, you piece of shit. Year. Hello, 2021.